It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky PG, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. I'm your host, Chucky e. G, along with my co-host, Karen Frazier. We'll be here shortly. This is the Hazy Radio Network. Tonight, I am so excited. You can't see that I'm so excited, but I'm just, I'm just like brewing with excitement because we have Jason Haxton, the owner of the Dybbuk Box, on this evening. I've never got a chance to talk to him. They've talked to him before. I'm just freaking out a little bit because this is going to be so cool. Um, I am prepared. I am very respectful. I will not mock the box or do anything bad. Um, uh, Karen's not here. We don't know if it's anything eerie to do with the box, but we'll find out. So, hi, Cheryl. How you doing? Hi, Chuck. Good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm moving along. I, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's start with, uh, I'm trying to get a hold of the park district in my area to do some paranormal classes. Um, I oh. have sent them an email. Um, I have not gotten a response yet, but I have an itinerary and everything. So called the paranormal experience, uh, which is hopefully will, will do good and take off. Um, if that, if I can't do it through the community, uh, park district, then I'll just have to, I already have a place I can do it, you know, on my own privately, but, you know, I want to try to do it, you know, through the park district because I think it would reach more people and I think it would be really cool. So that would be awesome. So you would host a, a class or a session of classes at the local park, community park? Yeah. Yeah. I would start out with like, you know, the first class is just going to be like a introduction to like, you know, why are you getting into it and uh, my thought process and, and, uh, how I think you should go about it and, you know, just generalities as far as, uh, getting into the field or being in the field, nothing to do with equipment or anything like that. And I figure then if that goes good, then we'll add classes on, uh, you know, EV, how to do EVPs and, and building a team and, you know, all that different stuff. But this is more of the, the human aspect of it to, uh, just like, you know, moving into the field and such. So yeah, it'd be pretty cool. That is, that is awesome. I'm so glad you're doing that. And I hope it works out. I mean, I know it'll work out for you one way or another. So that's great. <laughs> Why, thank you. It's so nice. And I can see you tonight. This is so lovely. Yeah. And you look lovely. Oh, thank you. You look lovely too. <laughs> and I see some creepy dudes stalking behind you. I think that's Chad. That, Nobody can see him, but I see Chad. He's that's Chad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, we have an investigation coming up. I'm excited. In March, the Arcada Theater in St. Charles, which was built in 1926. Um, actually, Luke Millett did uh, ghost tapes there. I think one or two of them there. Um, so we're going to go and give it our try and see what we can do as far as doing some new experimentation nice. and such uh, with the new team. Because I have a, um, besides uh, Sean Snowberger, who's the, the tech manager, I have a new girl by name of Kana Jones, and she's uh, training to be an investigator slash researcher. So uh, this will be our first actual on-site location kind of uh, investigation. So this will be kind of, I'm sure it'll be fun for her and kind of, you know, uh, all all encompassing crazy at the same time, you know, so. Oh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Um, so we're doing that. Um, you know, the book is... <laughs> <laughs> the book is going really, really slow. <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like I want to stop and just not do it. Um, cause I don't know if I'm just really cut out to do it. 
Um, I, I want to do it, but yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need help or something. I'm not sure. Well, take Guess. it slow. Take it slow mm-hmm. and, and it'll, it'll come to you at some point or maybe you'll, mm-hmm. you'll go a different, a different path. You know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping. So, um, all right. Well, why don't we just go ahead and, um, roll into my favorite time really quick. Can I do that? We sure can. Oh, yeah. Let's oh, do it. Look who just joined us. Oh, there she is. Hi, Karen. Hi. You know, my mama told me there'd be days like this. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. Your mama. All right. It's well, your mama. Fox night. I'm telling you. All right, well, we're ready. We're just going to jump into, the, you know, that favorite time Sounds we have. Good. Is it okay? All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Roll it, Cheryl. When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, now, that that statement is so true for this one, folks, because, you know, when you just think you can't find anything weirder, well, guess what? Here's the title. One-year-old baby boards a bus alone in China. There you go. Yeah, and Cheryl's mouth's hanging open. Yes, that's correct. A public bus in Changsha City in central China receives a special passenger on Tuesday night as an unaccompanied one-year-old baby climbed onto the bus. When the bus door opened, both the driver and the passengers were surprised, I'd say so, to see a baby climbing the door steps. A female passenger behind the boy looked around but failed to find any adults taking care of the toddler. The bus driver pulled over the bus with the consent of the passengers and called police for help. Some passengers on the bus volunteered to take care of the baby while waiting for the arrival of the police officers. After receiving the call, officers of a local police station checked with nearby neighborhoods and managed to find the baby boy's parents an hour later. Now, this is the interesting statement. My baby boy was playing outside my cell phone store alone. In just (laughs) two to three minutes, I couldn't find him anymore. We looked for him everywhere, all around, but failed to find him. According to Zhang, she and her husband run a cell phone store near the home, and the baby was outside the store alone before wandering away. Okay. That uh, is some robust <laughs> parenting right there. I'm, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I don't know. And I, and I, and what's interesting, I don't hear anything about, Hey, you got arrested because your one year old's like trancing through the neighborhood by itself. I just hear, well, I don't understand what happened. We put the baby outside. It's walking around by itself like it's supposed to. And then it just boarded the bus. I don't understand why it boarded the bus. <laughs> it's just oh my so God. Weird. That just annoys the poo out of me. But, oh, I, yeah. and, there, and, there, and there's actually a picture they show there's actually a picture of the like from the bus cam or whatever and you see the little baby like climbing up into the like you know as it's climbing up into the the bus could you imagine that the bus driver opens the door and okay new stop and here comes this little one-year-old trying to climb up into the bus you folks. know i gotta tell you um sadly it's not as strange of a story as you might think now i used to be a, a an advocate a child advocate for abused and neglected kids and yeah uh, it's i mean it's sad but those are the stories chuck i i just don't understand i'm a father and i just don't understand okay so this next story was given to me by somebody by the name of Cheryl and Chad. Hmm. Never heard it was of something them. about. Eh, no, I never heard of either. But you know, it's an interesting story about a woman that claims she raised a baby Bigfoot. Yes, Ooh. she did. Uh huh. You know, claimed... so did I. Actually, he has size fourteen feet. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say I have three of them. They're all out there. I don't yeah. know. Not quite he as hairy eats, as you think, but he eats yeah. like a Bigfoot. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, they forage all night long. I don't know what the hell's yeah. 
that deal's about. But yeah, so this woman claims she helped, <laughs> helped raise a Bigfoot between the years of 64 and 72. Uh, Lee, uh, Mel Ansetti, 70, says she found the animal when it was a baby abandoned in the swamps of Louisiana. He was so little, so cute, I had to do something about it. He was so defenseless, laying next to the mud and water, curled, crying like a baby. His parents were either dead or they had abandoned him, and the ex-farmer said. The hominid, she explained, was 20 pounds and had a hairless face that did not look like humans nor monkeys. He accepted me as a friend right away. I took him home for only three, three nights to nurse him back to health. In the course of those three days, she fed the Bigfoot anything she had her hands from, you know, lettuce, tomatoes, eggs, whatever. Um, after releasing the animal back into the wilderness, he kept coming back to her small house. So every time he came back, usually during the evening when most people weren't around, I gave him, yeah, when most people weren't around, I gave him more food. She lived in the house as a single woman and had no children, which made it easy for her to keep a secret. He was my friend. Even though he couldn't speak well, sometimes he said words I taught him in English. So she's teaching the, the baby Bigfoot English. Um, he brought a, She said one time he came and brought a friend with him. At first, the other guy was shy, but hiding behind the bushes, but little by little, he began to trust me too. Okay, um, she said when the people in the town began using TV radios, the Bigfoots didn't visit much. They ha- they had moved on because uh, and moved out because of my age, but I know that they're still there. Um, she also she, they asked you know like hey you know where are our pictures and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I was just gonna say, did yeah. she take mm-hmm. pictures? No, oh, of course she said. Uh, what's she saying? She said that um, oh you people are silly. Um, I did take pictures, but I have them hidden, and maybe someday I'll share them. But right now, not right now. Oh, right, so right. so uh, she's an attention whore then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say whore? Lord, I think she said whore on the radio, folks. Yes, <gasps> uh, attention whore. Yes, I, I mean, come on, really? I, okay, it just happens that he, he comes at night when there's nobody around. It just happens that there's pictures, but I'm not going to show them because I got them hidden. Uh, I have kinda... a boyfriend like that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> You guys have never actually seen Jim, have you? <laughs> yeah, but he's not an attention whore, is he? No, no, it's me. No. Oh. It's oh. Me. I, You're the whore? He's my imaginary boyfriend. <laughs> oh, Lord, folks. Oh, and here, I got the best one. I saved this one for you, Karen. Okay. Woman unwittingly drove around for more than a decade with 13 pounds of marijuana in the van door. Unwittingly. Oh, yeah, unwittingly. unwittingly. Yeah, it, air quotes, <laughs> yeah, air folks. Quotes. You can't see that right now. Yeah. Uh, in New Mexico, a woman got a big surprise this week when she discovered the van had a hidden secret. Uh, her 1990 Chevy uh, that she bought in some dealership in 2000. Since then, she's used it to shuttle her four kids and two grandkids all over the state. But that's not all. The eight-seater had been shuttling around. Lo and behold, we discovered something we didn't know was there. Uh, inside the side door of the family-friendly van was 13.5 pounds of marijuana. 13.5 pounds. Mm-hmm. She could have made some. She could have made some coin with that. I know. Made a car payment, maybe. <laughs> she goes, it was pretty shocking, she said. Uh, she's had a hard time getting the door to lock. So a friend pried open the panel to fix it. That's when the bricks of more than a decade old marijuana fell right out all over the floor. Mm. Um, police said the drugs were likely stashed here by the van's previous owner more than 13 years ago. Um, it's interesting because she said, um, it was packaged typically how drug traffickers package marijuana, you know, they wrap it up in foil, they wrap it in a saran trap. Um, 
She didn't just drive the van to the grocery store back. No, no, no. It's gone through at least 10 border checkpoints in New Mexico and passed every (laughs) single time. (laughs) Says, please say it's likely because the weed was, the weed was so old. It was packaged so well. Please have not, have now destroyed the pot. Oh, as for the previous owner, all the family knows. I guess the previous owner was from Germany. So there you have it, folks. That's the. Uh, well, the you crazy know, news. Yeah. You know, su- surprisingly, <clears throat> excuse me, that parallels something going on at my house that I unknowingly have 13.5 pounds of marijuana in my desk drawer. Oh, is it is it is it wrapped like drug traffickers? With I this? don't know because I, it's there unknowingly. <laughs> well, someday you'll open to get a pencil and it'll all fall over the floor. You'll be like, oh, my God, it's marijuana. What do we do? Those, those stupid teenagers. Yeah, what do I do? How do you get the papers? <laughs> <laughs> it's legal it. here, folks. We have to get rid of it. Let's just burn it. Oh yeah. Woo-hoo! Hell yeah. Party at Karen's house. Lots of munchies going on. It's um yeah. Legal here. I know it's not legal here, but that's it's so funny that I'm reading it and then it just goes to the oh, we've been going back and forth through the, the patrol, the borders and stuff, and no one even noticed for like ever. It's like, are you kidding me, really? That was some seriously good rap stuff, man, I'm telling you. Well, yeah, 13.5. It must have been wrapped well. Yeah, yeah, it, it was wrapped well. So, see, we had babies. Well, go ahead. Yes. I was going to say, because if her, her kids were teenagers at some point that she was driving this van, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If the teenagers would have found it, it wouldn't have got given to the police. I'll tell you that. I'm, I, my suspicion is it belonged to the teenagers who put it in the door. <laughs> oh, I see. So, there you go, folks. We have. Baby, babies, how does I say baby Bigfoot's boarding a bus? That would really be creepy. <laughs> babies boarding the bus. We have uh, a lady raising a Bigfoot, but no apparent proof to that fact except for her story. Um, and then, of course, we have the uh, mom with the marijuana driving all over town. So, I mean, come on. We've, we've pretty much covered all the aspects of the weird world we live in. So there you go. And then so we're going to we're talking to top it off with a heaping helping of the Dybbuk box. Oh, my God. I'm ready. Are, I'm you, are, you, are you protected? Oh. I'm protected. I have equipment running. I have all. I'm. I'm recording this right now. Hi, how you doing? I'm. I'm just doing all sorts of stuff right now. So yeah, we are ready. We are all ready, right. Karen. All right, it's going to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited. We have 15 minutes though. We still have 15 minutes to fill. That's okay. We have 15 minutes to fill. We can fill it. Yeah. So, fill? Well, I. I have a story for you. I have been cool. waiting for right. a couple. I have been waiting for a couple weeks to tell you this story because I. You know, we've right. had fascinating topics that we've talked about. Um. Mm-hmm. Weren't we like talking about cooking or something last week? Yeah, really fascinating yeah, yeah. stuff, or showering yeah. or something. I don't remember even because it's been a whole week. Um, I don't remember showering, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So we, um, you know, I had the uh, the uh, health issues, and um, I had the surgery a couple weeks ago. Well, we had an investigation plan for the museum the the night after I had surgery, mm-hmm. and okay. so. Um, I had invited a couple people there, including um, Art Mills, who was um, who who's been on our show. He wrote the book, The Empty Lot Next Door. Great book. Read it. Um, anyway, and so I felt like I had to be there. So essentially, Jim rolled me in in an office chair. 
<laughs> and I sat around. Well, because we couldn't get up and investigate a whole lot, there was another gal there named Casey who um, I think I told you that she she wanted me to check out her Ouija board and make sure it wasn't evil, and it was this really cool old 1946 yes. Ouija board, right? So she yep. was there, too. I invited her. So I was taking the Ouija board back to her. Well, since I was sitting around and could really do nothing else because I had no blood at the time, and I just had surgery the day before, and I was on drugs. So we got out the Ouija board, and we thought, well, why not? Now, I'm not a, a, I am not think the Ouija board can be a good tool, but I also think it's really people-influenced really easily. Um, so we set up in the uh, back conference room where we always set up, and we had uh, two people, uh, our Lutheran minister, who, you know, is above reproach because she's a minister, so, you know. And... Um, my good friend Jenny Patrick had their fingers on the Ouija board, but they just barely, I'm gesturing like everybody can see me, but they just That's barely it. put the fingertips on. You can shine a light and see the light shine under the fingertips. And we started okay. asking the Ouija board questions, you know, just sort of suspiciously thinking, yeah, whatever. So, um, you know, Tom, I talk about Tom in the book, in, in the Pioneer Spirits, who lives up in the, um, he doesn't live up, he hangs out up in the, uh, he's dead, he doesn't live. <laughs> He hangs out up in the in the loft there, okay. and right. he started talking to us supposedly through this Ouija board. And he told us his last name was Tom. His name was Tom, and his last name was Atwood. Okay. And he told us the year of his death, or he told us he was ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And we were, and we said, "Well, do you want to do it now?" And he said, "No, I want to do it." And he gave us a specific date that we're going to do in March. Um, and we said, well, why that date? And he said, it was, uh, I was died on March, whatever the date is, 1813. Mm-hmm. And then he told us that he worked for the Hudson Bay Company, but that he was kind of um, like a train robber or something, too. He supplemented his in- income with criminal enterprise. Mm-hmm. And he told us that, uh, I'm watching the clock, making sure we're, I'm not getting too, am I boring you? You're no, moving no, around. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, was, I was mimicking Cheryl. Go ahead, continue. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's a nice thing about the webcam. Just mimic anybody you want. Um, but anyway, so, and he, he told us that his his brother was um, was Atwell. Excuse me, Patty texted me. It was Atwell. Okay. Um, and he told us that his brother was um, Jay Verberg. And I think I mentioned in the book that when Jay came in, Tom was like immediately glommed onto him and really fascinated by yeah, Jay. Yeah, and yeah, Jay had been there that. a couple times and he was the same way. So he, he said that Jay Verberg was his brother who did um, his criminal enterprises with him. And then he said, Andy, the museum director. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to tease Jay about this. So he said, <laughs> Andy, he said, Andy, the museum director was his, um, his good friend and his conscience. Uh-huh. And he said, and, and the, one of the few people that Tom has showed himself to is Andy. And he said that um, Andy's girlfriend, Melissa, was yeah. his wife. Really? And he told her he loved her and she started crying. It was really sad. I mean, oh. kind of moving. But no, but yeah. then there was more. And then he told us that, uh, so we said, well, when you move, we move you on, where do you want to do it? And we figured he'd say, you know, up in the loft. And he said, no, I yeah. want to do it in the attic. Well, I mentioned in the book that there's a whole bunch of saddles in the attic. And so right. somebody was like, well, which saddle? Can, is there a number on the saddle? And he said, number 41. So, um, like I said, Art Mills was with us, and he called me a few days later. And he said, well, I've been researching this, and I found a um, Tom Atwell who worked for the Hudson Bay Company, who was born in 1813. He didn't die in 1813. He was born in 1813 in Kentucky. 
and that he had a brother named Joel. And then he went up to the attic to see if he could find the saddles. And he found a set. And one of the saddles, the only one that's labeled with a number, has a number 41 on it. Get out of here. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. So, you know, see, I, tend to be, I tend to be skeptical about the Ouija board, but... uh. <laughs> now, see, now that's the, the cool part of being in the paranormal field. It's not always just, yeah. ooh, I caught a voice, or ooh, I saw something. It's the mm-hmm. It's the piecing the puzzle together and then when all of a sudden it just kind of like lays out in front of you like that yeah just you're just astonished your mouth just hits the ground that is so he he said he wanted jay there when he moved on because it's his brother yeah and he said he wanted um so william's going to come up william and jay are going to come up together and then he he uh, he said it was okay for melinda uh even though she because he's catholic is so melinda's lutheran so kind of catholic light so even though she's a girl and and she's lutheran he said it was okay for her to do the the blessing and stuff so um i guess he's going to transition and i'm going to miss the heck out of him i mean i know he can come back but it's not the same thing yeah yeah so and so when he transitions, now you said it's not the same thing. So when he transitions, and then if he does come back, why is it not the same thing? Is it is it less of him, or what do you? I mean, what does that mean? Um, I just mean he's not going to be there all the time. Like I, uh, you know, okay. I'm there every okay. Friday, and I'm there other times as well. And every time I go um, and walk through by the loft, he's there. And I greet him and I talk to him. And I mean, we've been, you know, Patty's been working with him for like seven or eight years and I've been working with him for like four or five, you know, so he's become a regular, a regular um, person in my life. I mean, he's just as real as if, you know, you died or something. God, that's not going to happen. Don't worry. But you know what I mean? He's, he's real to me like that. And, um, and so we've had this happen at Wellington where, where, Spirits have transitioned, and it's tough. It, it yeah. needs to happen because it's what is supposed to happen. But well, yeah, it, it, it is it's 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 tough. That's that's just that's crazy though. Just the way it yeah. all like yeah. unfolded, and then then you finally see the saddle, and it says forty one. Says forty one. That's just, the only one with the number. And Andy, the museum director, didn't know that. Really, he didn't know the saddles were numbered, and he thought, "Well, I'll just go upstairs to see to check." And yeah, so the thing probably... is, Melissa had had a dream about Tom um, mm-hmm. before this Ouija board session. The one that he said was his wife. She'd actually had a dream about him. That, that well, that probably had to blow him away too. Like he goes up there and he's like, "No way!" You know well, what I mean? Yeah, and for Melissa and Andy, it's been pretty profound. Because, you know, it's like the whole Nellie Sharp Wellington thing with me. When you, when you, you, I believe in reincarnation, clearly, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I've done a ton of research into it. I wrote my master's thesis about it. But when it actually happens to you, Mm -hmm. when you actually find out somebody who you were, it's different. It's, it's kind of life changing in a lot of ways. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to do that sometime just to, I mean, I've been told some things lately, but I would like to do that just to see who I possibly was, you know, in a former life. I think that would be, I would think that would be uh, fascinating. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's some crazy stuff, Karen. Well, so fe- I know. And how are you feeling now? Are you are you back from your blood draining experience, and you're um, all good now? Yeah, it's still. Uh, you can see I'm still a little pale. It's still a little mm-hmm. slow, um, but you know, every day is a little better. So right, I'll get there. Cool. Yeah, right, I'll get there. Good. I'm not yeah, too was, worried about it. 
You know, it's, well, no, of course, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And oh, by the way, uh, by the way, thank you for the gift. <gasps> Did you like it? Could you feel that I yes. put Reiki in it? Yes. Could you, tell, I, could you feel the energy from the Reiki? I like it. It's like, uh, yeah. And it's funny as I, I go, I'm going to try, you know, how you have to set your pendulum. Uh, mm-hmm. by the way, so people don't know, Karen sent me a pendulum. It's really awesome. It's tiger eye. It's round. It's got like these leaves on it. It says faith on the top. So just so you can kind of get a visual of what it looks like. Yeah, but, I made um, it. Yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome. So I, so I took it and I, I said, you know, I want to see, you know, cause you have to kind of make it your own, like I did my other one. And most people's, it's interesting. Most people swing, uh, clockwise for yes, counterclockwise for, um, uh, no, I'm sorry. It goes swings back and forth for yes, uh, swings clockwise for no. And then, um, it just stops like when it's like, you know, I don't know, whatever, you know, yeah, like you're not, yeah. 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 Mine, mine's, well, well, yeah, people, most people's go counterclockwise. Mine doesn't. Mine just stops. It's like, it just goes swings for yes, circles for no, and it just stops. So I, so I'm going to try this one to see how this one works compared to the one I have, the one, you know, the one you sent me. And I was interested to see, will it be the same? Will it be different? No, it's the same. It's exactly, it's swaying exactly the same, which I found really fascinating. And I was like, well, then that just, I mean, it, to me, it tells me then that's, that's the way it communicates to me. That's the energy that I have. And I thought that was really neat though, cause I'm thinking, well, let's see if it like does like everybody else's and it doesn't. It does the same thing. So, and yeah. I'm going to take that on investigations with me. So yeah, I put Reiki in it and I put intention in it and it's a third chakra stone, but it also can help with, um, third eye stuff. And what do you mean by intention really quickly before we go to Reiki? What was that? So that when I'm putting, I hold it in my hands and I, mm-hmm. as I put the Reiki in it, I visualize things for you. Okay. And right. so there, it's all in there. Okay. Well, I trust you. So yeah, yeah that's going to be cool. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to use it. I'm, I'm going to take, I'm taking with when we go to the uh, theater uh, in March. So we'll, we'll, I'm going to take that because I take that, I take my dowsing rods along with all my, you know, cool gear and such um because uh, i like to go both ways and it's interesting because a lot of times i have a lot of luck with the older school stuff than the new stuff so yeah yeah so now do you when you saw it do you see how close you were with it when you yes when yes because you, you said you saw a marble well it's a tiger's yes. eye that looks like mm-hmm. a cat's eye marble and mm-hmm. it was round and i mean you were so very close with with the I things know. that you were picking up and just when I was saying colors after all, I'm like, I just got to stop because now I'm just, I'm just guessing at some point, you know, I'm going, this color, this guess. at first I'm just in my head, I'm seeing all these colors and I'm thinking, well, purple and then blue. That's I'm because I picked up a colors. whole bunch of different colors to, before I yeah. picked that one out. Yeah. That was, that was a newbie test I failed because I'm like, <laughs> I'm, well, well, I mean, I saw the colors. I just couldn't after that, after no, that point, I couldn't, I couldn't like lock it in. So you were great. Well, and you kept saying something about chakra while I was holding it over. As you were saying that I was actually holding it over my third chakra and saying, this is a third chakra stone. So I was saying chakra to you. So you were picking that up. (laughs) It was crazy. I was picking most of it up. So that was kind of, yeah. see, so you're better than you think. All right. All right. All right. So, you know, I think they're starting to chant in the chat room because we are not what they came for this evening. Chuck, (laughs) Well, fine. We'll go to break and we'll just do the Dybbuk box. That's right. We'll take a break. We'll be back with Jason Haxton and the Dybbuk box. You are listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. Hey, 
everyone. It's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Frazier. We'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hale, host of Common Sense Paranormal. Listen to me on hazyradio.com, Thursday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. Central. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ed Council. Hey, Hazy Radio listeners. Do you like animated movies and TV shows? Do you ever wonder just what goes into making the magic that appears on your screen? Join Doug Engler and Brandon Ahrens every Sunday night for Animazing Radio. Animazing will feature everything in the animation arena, from voice actors and actresses to illustrators, producers, and more. Only on Animazing Radio will you find the very best in animation from around the world. Catch Animazing Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the Hazy Radio Network. Babies, you got to just roll with that flow. Yeah, right into that great daylight as the sun arises right there in your heart. Starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and running right into high noon, you've got the Coyote Medicine Show in the mornings with your host, Grandpa Peter Coyote, helping you take flight right into the heart, baby. That's right. you got to know. you got to get in the flow. The Coyote Medicine Show, only on the Hazy Radio Network. Twenty-eight, man, I lost my mind Stepping backwards on the heels of time Another day gone Another day breaks, another punch card Another launch break Another fear for another pain Another smoke break I'm Standing in that rain Just another dollar I can't make It's just another part of life that I can't shake Cause I can't say Train to get me out of this place A whole bunch of lies Jump up in my face I can only dance I'm amazed And I can only love When I'm replaced A sun don't shine When you're away Another love gone It's another love break Another's always money In my way I drink and smoke it all Just for a chance to stay Just to play it should settle down buy myself a pretty home 
And make sure that I clock in every day
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hello, everyone. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. I am your host, Chucky G, along with my co-host, Miss Karen Frazier. The songs you were just listening to, by the way, is uh, All My Life by Audio Moonshine. And then we had Ten Penny Joke doing Sirens. Would but you now, like to tell them why we had two songs? Well, <laughs> oh, sure. Let's share why we had two songs. We had two songs because for some reason... We, have we, we don't know what the reason is. Yeah, we don't know what the reason is. We just have Jason Hexton, you know, with the Dybbuk box and all that. But for some reason, we're having technical difficulties getting him on the on the on the on the show to begin with, with through the phone lines. Nothing was working. So we just kept running another song. It was it was interesting to say the least. And now it's time to bring him on, Mister Jason. Are you there? Yeah, I was wondering, guys. You guys were a little late. You know, connecting to me, I thought, <laughs> yeah. um, I said, and then I'd say, oh, yeah, it's a Divic box. Everything goes wrong, so it's mm. normal. It does. We, we're always prepared for, prepared for things like this when we have you on the show. You know, so like I say, this is, this is, Chuck, Chuck is a, dare I say it, he's a Divic box virgin, so, uh, he's, he's feeling a little nervous. <laughs> yeah i just like everybody's telling me you know don't mock the box and such and i go hey you know what i have respect for everything i like to just repeat that respect for everything including so the dipic box that's right correct yeah Any, anything to do with supernatural i don't i don't try to push the uh the envelope on that stuff you know i i'm a, a firm believer i am a paranormal investigator so and i have my own you know haunted items and like my doll and stuff in my my office and such so you know i i i get it all you know but i'd like to i mean i know i know a lot about the dipic box um i'm i'm, I'm assuming that other people do but can we just kind of go over the basics i know you've been here before but can you go over the basics just because i'm here now <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine, Chucky. Um, Thank you. What's interesting is, uh, again, uh, for your uh, listeners, um, don't be surprised if things do happen to you. Uh, it's just part of the package. If you listen in on the Divic Box uh, interviews, uh, strange things may happen and, and usually do. So uh, You'll be okay, you know, though. Nothing bad. It won't, it won't kill you. You'll be all right. Uh, that's, that's no good. one has, my knowledge, ever died, but the, there's yeah. certainly been inconvenienced. <laughs> Yes. Uh, just like the static on the show or not being able to connect or everything dropping off or your whole power going out. Those, those are standards uh, for, for various shows, and we might get into that later. But the background on the Divic Box, I'll be honest, I'm not really a paranormal person. I, I do like history. I do like artifacts. Uh, I like ancient history, and, and the pieces that usually survive over time are usual funeral wares. I mean, statues or pottery or or amulets, and so it is typical if something has any age to it, it probably was a, a burial and a spiritual piece. So in that sense, yes, artistically I'm drawn to the surviving uh, artifacts of time, uh, which usually are burial goods. And so um, the Divic box itself wasn't something I sought out, but I, I uh, hired a, a young college student uh, to be an intern at the museum. His roommate actually bought the box from the original owner, and uh, when things started going wrong, um, basically dumped it off on me, and uh, I kind of thought, yeah, poo-poo it, nothing's going to happen. But when my health deteriorated and unexplainable 
catastrophes uh, were happening just around my family and home, I decided, well, maybe there's more to this, and uh, really started doing deep research and, and uncovering uh, piece by piece the previous owners and what might be um, the strange story of the box, uh, which, by the way, there will be a brand new show tomorrow night um, on uh, Destination America that's going to cover some of that, too. So certainly your viewers, Great. if you get excited about the uh, talk show tonight, might want to catch a little bit more tomorrow night on uh, Monsters and Mysteries, uh, which would be non-Eastern time. Cool. So, uh, again, that's just a, a little uh, plug for if, if if this goes well for you, you might want more. If it goes bad for you, you may want to forget you ever heard about this. So I got involved <laughs> really by, by accident, um, and, uh, and certainly have become fascinated uh, about this spiritual, uh, more of a prayer box uh, is what I think it was. It is Jewish, and uh, in that in itself is some of the oldest magic um, things um, that go back thousands of years, really all uh, stem around uh, the Jewish faith and, and their mysticism. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I did what, but a, a woman from the Holocaust created a prayer box. She wanted to understand the Holocaust, and um, in the process of her 40 years of prayer and, and um, having this item, eventually died at the age of 103. It was to be buried with her, but the rabbi had different ideas, saying, hey, look, we don't bury things that have use, and we don't believe in the afterlife like that. This has no value to her. I'm not going to bury it. And so the family was left with, what do we do with Grandma's creepy prayer box? They did it box. Um, okay. They sold it in the yard sale. And thus, it ended into the domain of the non-Jewish world. Okay. Yeah, I know. Now, there's a, there's a, I'll see if I say this correctly. Is there's a, is a, a, a Shema or a Shema on the back of the box? It's Shema? Is yeah, that what you said? prayer on the back, the Shema, mm-hmm. which is, is the first prayer that a Jewish person might learn, and mm-hmm. hopefully the last they would want to say. And it is a prayer of, of God being great and protection. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, because I know they say that like at, at, when they go to bed at bedtime. There's a part of that prayer is said too, because um, it's supposed to be all, all uh, you know, God is all is all knowing and everything. So, so how did the so how did the bad side turn? How did this turn into something bad? You know, because if we're talking, it's a prayer box. We're talking, it was from a lady who survived the Holocaust uh, and, and and lived her life. Um, how did it turn to something not so good? Well, I think the issue was, um, as a survivor, she probably had uh, the, the guilt that survivors often do when parents and, and, and spouses and siblings and neighbors and children are all killed. The question always arises, why, why did this have to happen? And that, that was, the, the, I think, the uh, impetus for her recreating the box and, and using it as a, uh, a vehicle to talk to her God and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and ask, could you give me understanding? Could you help me make sense of this? And, of course, died maybe with never having the answer. But what the family said is what that did when the box was not buried, as she requested with her, and it would be done, it then wanted to find that answer, what was the real start. And, I mean, uh, and so um, I think the illnesses and the bad things were that whenever the box was not progressing towards the answer that this woman had in her prayer, then bad things would happen to either make you, as it did for me, really want to figure this out or get rid of it and maybe someone who would have more uh, knowledge or, or uh, 
dedication to it, would then continue this this mission. Uh, but the box was set in motion just like you'd wind a clock, and it's going to run through its its workings until it, it gets to the end. And the end in this case would be what did cause the Holocaust. And, I mean, uh, it sounds like a simple idea when you think, well, Hitler and, uh, and you know, uh, Nazis and, and, you know, all these. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's really actually, if you look at it, who mentored Hitler and where did he get the ideas that he brought up? And those actually, mm-hmm. the Didic Bucks that I discovered came back um, from the United States. Right? As hard as it is to believe, the laws that Hitler used against the Jews were American laws. And so mm-hmm. these were things that I unraveled. And once some of this was understood, then the Didic Bucks' power kind of dropped. Um, and so it, it, to me, became less of a fearful item. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because I know that the the the, the terminology Dybbuk, uh stands for a restless, malicious spirit uh, able to haunt or even possess the living. So that's why I was like, it's interesting that the box, which is which has prayers on it, and, and for for the most part, is supposed to be just something that you know holds a person's memories to be buried with them. All of a sudden, turns into being named after some malicious spirit. So I just found that kind of interesting that it it had that. Uh, t- that turnaround to it, you know what I mean? Um, so I, that's why I was curious at where that all came from. Now I know the in the insides of the box also hold, you know, uh, different items because I've seen other Dybbuk boxes or said Dybbuk boxes that have different items, but they're all kind of close in similarity to what they hold. Um, can you kind of go over what what's what, what was found inside the one that you have or they have locked up right now? That's right. Well, and again, as you mentioned. A Dybbuk itself is a human spirit that is unresolved issues. So it comes back and cleaves, as, as, as it's called, a cleaving, meaning it will come into a surrogate, a human, anybody. So any of us could have this spirit come into us uh, to finish its work. Now, of course, who wants to share their body with some other soul? So of course, the whole concept of a Dybbuk is pretty creepy. And, and um, as they say, they're not necessarily uh, bad, but I would think that any time you're sharing your body uh, with a spirit that, that didn't finish its issues, it's not a good thing. So um, that would be kind of understanding if there is a Dybbuk, oh, whose spirit would this be? Um, mm-hmm. We can talk about that in a little bit, um, what my conclusions would be. But then, as you say, there are familiar tokens, um, hair, locks of hair. That's very personal. It's very genetic. It ties you to a person. There are coins. Those will take you to a date. You know that if you have a coin, that that existed at this time period. And in this case, the two coins are 1925 and 1928 uh, wheat pennies, as we call them. There is the granite stone, with uh, also Hebrew. And keep in mind, the Hebrew uh, language is one of the oldest languages and um, is said to be in itself magical. And so uh, just saying words in Hebrew or knowing Hebrew will give you um, an opportunity for a spiritual and, and, and afterlife. And so it's always good to have a few uh, Hebrew words, words on the side. But it mm-hmm. is basically shalom on a granite stone, and that means peace. But you might think it of a type of peace that might only be achieved in death, that kind of finality. Um, the granite itself uh, is an energy source because quartz can actually carry uh, more energy if you were to hit it, a piece of quartz, more energy might come out than went in, which is why we can run 
watches on little pieces of quartz. And so it's a, a very interesting material. Um, the candles uh, with uh, octopus um, candlesticks, again, mm -hmm. flame. Again, it's always, uh, you know, staring at a flame. Supposedly it can open, um, at least in the Salem witch trials, the world to uh, Satan and, and other things. So you're not supposed to stare at flames uh, because it opens you to other dimensions. And so there's always that element. Uh, cups with wine, again, alcohol is another um, supposedly enhancer, uh, not even necessarily drinking it, just having it uh, enhances uh, the energy uh, that uh, for spiritual kind of presences. And so uh, people do experiment with uh, really green alcohol um, just being contained near spiritual items. It has mm -hmm. some effect. So I don't know if that helps, but the things in it all, again, things that relate um, uh, to tying you to a time, a person, or energy. Yeah, yeah. well, it, go ahead, Karen. Well, I was going to say, Jason, the last time we spoke, I think, you had buried the Dybbuk box in your backyard and your yard caved in. So uh, what's going on now? <laughs> well, correct. Um, as, as a matter of fact, we uh, filled in uh, the hole, but um, the day that, and, and it's not that I was really fearful of the Dybbuk box anymore, because what the, the resolution came back to is in Kirksville, Missouri, where the Dybbuk box came from this estate, and then the college student sold it and it stayed here. Um, the person, if you ever want to do just a quick Google search, you can type in the name Harry Laughlin and Hitler. This is the person from this town who actually went into the eugenics movement, created laws on marriage, immigration, sterilization, and then transported these laws from America in the 20s to Hitler in the 30s and actually mentored Hitler. So in a roundabout way, if you were praying to understand the Holocaust, you may come back to Cooksville where this guy was doing basically breeding of animals, transferred that to eugenics, which is the breed of humans, became the assistant of the eugenics uh, movement in Cold Spring Harbor, New York, became the researcher for Congress, who then, based on this bogus research, created laws that they were later embarrassed by and pretty much tried to hide it. This guy dies, the war goes on, millions are, are prosecuted because of the Nuremberg laws, which are American laws. And so the only way that if this person um, was a spirit uh, and was not finding peace would be to come back as a divot and try to spotlight what they had done. If you don't make amends as a divot, then you never will find peace. So if there is a divot, it could be this Harry Laughlin which you can Google on, um, on anywhere on the Internet, and you'll see that, oddly enough, the Holocaust begins with a guy who was an agricultural farmer, a teacher at a university of how to breed chickens, and magnified that into humans. And so once this was kind of resolved in my mind, oh, my gosh, the prayer was to understand the Holocaust. This guy got a degree from Hitler, from Heidelberg, um, a medical degree. Um, they were deeply involved he comments in his eugenics magazine, Hitler is using my laws, they sound familiar, he's beating us at our American game. Um, you read in Hitler's Mein Kampf, when he's in prison and has nowhere to go, he looks to the United States and says, ah, they're making laws to become a national government. He was looking at this man's laws. And only after Hitler really started going out of control did Congress and those that were funding 
Harry realized, oh my God, you know, we've he's anti-Semitic and we've made a horrible mistake. And that's when they defunded him and basically pretended the laws never existed. Um, so it really is a strange twist in history. But, you know, when the war is over, we didn't go back and say, oh, yeah, this, this was what we did first. Um, but the Germans do say it at the Nuremberg trials. They said, how could you how could you do these atrocities in Germany? They said, well, we were only doing what a greater nation did first, and the greater nation was the United States. So it is a strange story, um, and that's why I felt the prayer was answered. But here's the thing. I buried it only because my fear would be that someone else would make another prayer and set this thing back in motion again. So it's really um, kind of contained. It's not being destroyed. It's in an acacia art. It's in a military um, plastic case. If this were to be dug up a thousand years from now, it would be literally untouched. It would be as it went into the ground. So I didn't destroy it. I just put it out of harm's way. And from a Jewish perspective, the ground, the energy should drain off the power. Yeah, I saw, I was watching on, I'm on YouTube, you know, <laughs> going through all these different things. And I saw where someone had, I think they came to, I don't know the gentleman's name, uh, came to your home and you guys went into the, into the basement area and went into the little cubby and that's where you used to have it. And it was, uh, in that military box and stuff all sealed up, um, halfway. It's not totally buried, but halfway in the earth. So I found that really interesting. So why? Why? Why not destroy it? Why not just get rid of it and 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 be done with it? I mean, do you think that would make it worse? Or well, as a museum person, I'm always uh, you know. It, to me, it's uh, an artifact. It tells a story. Right. It, mm -hmm. it was created. It is unique. I mean, again, it's not a typical Jewish thing. As as rabbis would say, this is not what we do. But it's not that someone might not have interpreted. You know, the message is just like. Um, any altar, or whether you be Catholic or Mormon or, or Islam or Hindi, you may listen to your religious leaders and do something that in your mind makes sense with your God. But what they're saying is this is not typical, but we're not denying that, you know, this is, is Jewish. It's just not typical. It's not what we do. So it would be hard to destroy something like that. Um, better to kind of just put it away. And um, like any true dilemma, when you really don't know what to do, doing nothing is a choice. And so at this point, right. I think maybe the best thing to do, because I don't have one answer, is just to seal it and let time make a decision. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, do you I, think it'll ever, like, would you think you'd ever put it in a museum, seal it in a glass case, uh, you know, uh, sort of like the, you know, the, you know, like we're talking like Annabelle the doll and such other, uh, artifacts that have, uh, bad tendencies connected to them, but they have them sealed off, circled by salt, you know, said, so would you think that at some point that that might happen or no, or is that not a good idea? I think initially I thought about that and yet with time as it's kind of put away less, but you know, here's the funny thing is as more time goes on, it's now, you know, one of the ten most haunted objects ever. Uh, if you Google uh, haunted objects that you would never bring into your house, the top ten of all time, or the most, you know, it is in there with Annabelle the doll and the hands that resist and the chair in um, 
some pub in Scotland or England that, you mm. know, the guy who died, it was his chair, and he said, nobody will sit in my chair, you know, when I'm Oh, dying. the Busby Stoop chair. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. What I'm saying is there's these same ten items. Um, there's a little doll down in, in Miami. And, you know, I'm not the, an authority. You paranormal experts know, but there's this little Robert the doll. doll. Yeah, Robert, Robert the doll in Key West. So what I'm saying is everybody knows these objects. They are always, there's the crying boy, and whoever has the crying yeah. boy, depending their house burns down, and it's always mm-hmm. tragedy. So you don't want the crying boy in your home. Um, so there are these, uh, there's the dancing wedding dress, and as you say, Annabelle the doll uh, mm-hmm. from The Conjuring. And so what's really fascinating is there seem to be these ten items that everyone's fascinated. I think they're the... Um, the interesting items of this generation, where my generation, it was Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, and, you know, a few things like that, that, um, not that they're still out there, but this is the, the new generation of, of items that everybody seems to know. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And, and how the Divic Box, that's what I'm saying, it's its own power. How something so simple in my mind, I mean, it was a private possession of a little old lady, um, yes, there were some weird, weird tales with it, but to become a movie that's a box office hit, and by the way, I got a call from uh, uh, the the people at Ghost House, and the new script is done. They're working with uh, the studio, which would be Lionsgate. Um, there is actually going to be more divot. I think they, too, were cautious because this was such a strange thing that the, they really held the reins back on the movie. Uh, and also they said in the story, there's so many people involved, we might only get one shot at it, so they just kind of threw it all out at once. But I think now they're reflecting back, saying we want to take it piece by piece by piece through the story. So um, you expect probably within the next year, uh, I think a more accurate, more thorough um, story about the Divot Box uh, coming from Hollywood itself. And Good. so I was given that information a few days ago. There will be this show tomorrow but it preludes actually uh, a new show called True Supernatural, and that will be um, also Destination America on uh, February 21st. It will be a full-hour show of picking apart the divot box. I brought it out of the ground uh, a year ago, and they looked at it with electron microscopes, Geiger counters, um, black lights. I mean, they ran it through a barrage of tests. No, I don't know what they thought they would find, but I certainly didn't resist their ability to do this. And what's strange is the whole time it's letting off these scents, and the college students are going nuts around it, and these adult investigators and professors are saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, it's, it's got this really heady, bizarre scent since it's been in the ground. It's almost addicting, as if it wants you to bring it out to smell this, and the scent gets stronger. And, um, you know, there's a, a, a lab full of, like, 10 or 12 students, and they're like, what is that? And the faculty are literally saying, don't smell anything. And it's like, how is that happening? So it is, all this is kind of going on, and we'll be in this other show. So, um, again, I must admit, I, I, I'm, I'm a little baffled by why does the popularity, why does it become you know, not just a Hollywood movie, but a box office number one movie and and, uh, franchise. And um, and so I don't know. There's some power about it. 
that keeps the story alive because I don't do anything except when I get called saying, will you give an interview? Sure, I'll give an interview. But I don't do really anything to promote it except just when people want more, and they seem to always want more on this topic. Yeah. So, Jason, we need to take a break. We're at the top of the hour. Can you stick around for a little bit longer? Sure, sure, sure. All right. Great. So we're talking to Jason Haxton. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects, the Divic Box. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. We will be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> Each week we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality. So please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on HazyRadioNetwork.com. You are a waste, a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the app. Are you looking for a show that puts the paranormal in a different light? A show that shoots straight from the hip? A show where the knowledge of paranormal is number one? Then join Rick Hale, former co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, for his new show, Common Sense Paranormal, where Paranormal Street Talk is what it's all about. Every Thursday night from 9 to 10 Eastern, right here on the Hazy Radio Network. Oh, I love how you took your time. You're my air. 
Listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hello, this is Paranormal Underground Radio. You have returned with us. It's, of course, it's Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. But this is Chucky e. G. I'm here with Karen Frazier. Uh, the song you're just listening to was, by the way, is Taylor Matos. Good looks. We are here talking to Jason Haxton about the Dybbuk box and all the weird things that happen along with it. And on break, Karen, you had you had mentioned something um, that I was going to ask him on air about that show, Ground Zero. So I was wondering if we could because uh, I watched that and I was like, are you kidding me? All this stuff is happening. Um, can you kind of just go through some of that, Jason? I mean, I could say it myself, but I'd rather have you kind of just tell us what was transpiring on that radio show because that was some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, Chucky. Well, um, uh, Clyde Lewis uh, has the, uh, the show, which he also skies and does through the Internet, uh, called Ground Zero. And he actually, because it was close, it's uh, out on the West Coast, he actually had the first buyer, the antique dealer Kevin Manis, show up. And what he didn't realize is that the family that had the original Divot box had also created uh, a second one. Um, and so he brought this, and they, they're very similar. The, the different, it's a different prayer, but it's in the same line. There's still the stones with the Hebrew writing, but this one has life. It has the coins, but the coin is more of a, a Nazi a symbol, but it, it was actually a gambling chip. I mean, the swath sticker actually prior to World War II was used quite frequently and was seen as a good luck symbol. And so it has all these strange pieces, and all of a sudden, within that 22-story building, 
um, not only did all the internet cut off, the electricity cut off, the air conditioning cut off, um, the producer left with burning eyes, welts, and uh, literally his feet had been blistered, um, and he was absolutely uh, just vomiting ill. I mean, it looked like he'd just been wiped out. So he leaves the studio. Meanwhile, all the cameramen, it's like as if they're getting burned by irons on their back. Um, all these strange things happen. And the thing is, they were videotaping the show. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's hard to say, well, you know, you know, were they just hyping this up? But you watch it occur. And then the police show up. And it's like, um, what's going on in this the building? Because all the electricity is shut out. And mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the show ended, everything restored back. And the funny thing is the air conditioner was running full blast, mm-hmm. and yet the room was getting hotter and hotter, which, again, with the equipment, is something they're very concerned about. And so they're really burning up, and yet they're feeling the air conditioners coming out full blast. So it was mm-hmm. very, very difficult. So those of you that are listeners, if your eyes are burning, if, if, uh, if things are like lights exploding, somehow you've tuned into the Dipic Box, and it does these things to not just the the stage studios, but to uh, the homes of listeners too, and so um, we have that with Ground Zero, uh, with Sean Burris of Ghost Man and Demon Hunter. Literally, same thing. Nathan, his co-host, is suddenly getting burned on the back during the show. All kinds of weird. Uh, they're not being able to get the show out uh, as they normally do. He goes home, and lightning strikes his car from the front through his seat and destroys it. Uh, in his home, suddenly there's a smell of gas. Um, he calls the company. Somehow the gas line has come free, and basically his whole house is filled with gasoline, or I mean with uh, uh, basically uh, gas, uh, not gasoline, but uh, natural gas, and, and it's really ready to explode. I mean, just thing after thing after thing happens to him, and you can go on and listen to his stuff. There's a mysterious universe where Ben uh, Grundy and uh, Aaron Wright, they're Australians, Whenever they also, their entire building shuts down, they've had fires start in the studio. Whenever they have, they love having the Divic box on, but they also are always cautious because always strange things are happening. So Mm -hmm. I give you that fair warning um, as we started the show that if something strange is happening, uh, type it into Paranormal Underground uh, to Karen and Chucky and uh, um, at least share share the experience. I think uh, Cheryl, uh, the producer, came on. Her eyes right now are burning. Um, that happened to um, Unknown Country with Whitney Stryber. We're in the talking and we're discussing. He goes, the entire interview, my eyes are getting worse and worse. Now they're on fire. And I said, well, that's a common, uh, you know, just a common issue with the Divic Box. He literally said, thank you, and hung up. It was the end of the interview. And this uh, <laughs> said, you know, it was both scary and funny at the same time. So uh, I throw that out there, Chuck. I, I hope you guys are doing good. Anything weird happening in your area? I'm uh, having not... a hot flash as we speak, but, you know, yeah, that's just to... sort of par for the course. <laughs> I've that seen you like to wave... women of a certain age. Yes, yeah, just waving <laughs> her arms around. No, but what's interesting to me is I'm sitting in my room, okay, and I'm kind of facing – I have cameras facing me, and I'm facing out. And I keep catching to the right of me in my room because I have it, like, darkened where I have light behind me. Uh something keeps moving to the right of my room, like a shadow moves and it comes back. And then, and what's interesting is I know it's happening because I have a, um, a, a, I guess a, a, 
where I plug all my equipment into a, a strip, an electrical strip that's on the floor and it's lit blue, uh, uh, so I can see that it's on and I keep catching it covering the blue and then going back and then covering the blue and going back to the right. So at first I thought maybe, yeah, it's just me because I'm talking through a mic that has a pop filter and I'm right in front of it. But then I just started curving my eyes around both sides of it and I can actually every so often it gets darker in that corner and it kind of like covers and it just does a quick little movement and it goes away. So I don't know what's going on So right now. So well, We uh, know shadowy figures uh, have, have always uh, follow. Uh, talking and visiting and being about, and I've seen the same shadowy things that are unexplainable and the feeling of something touching your hair and flashes of light, as all the owners have dealt with uh, the shadowy figures uh, that deal with whenever the divot box. And literally one crawled up the wall um, and basically across, and my son and I literally watched this shadowy, almost like black flames, uh, for, for minutes. You know, it wasn't like it was there and gone. It just went on and on and on and then finally dissipated. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I'm glad you have your crystals all lined up. I hope they're protecting you. <laughs> yeah, well, I have like, you know, it's funny too because I have a few spirits that live in my home. One is a little boy and there's a couple others. Karen knows about them. Uh, so I'm not really sure if it's, if it's Josh moving around in my room kind of, you know, but I don't, I don't feel it's him because I would, I would know when it's, it's him because it feels, yeah, because it feels really good. It feels really, did you just hear that? What, what was that? That was my dog digging in her food Okay, dish. thank you. I was freaking out there for a minute. No, but it was like um, because I know when he's around, it feels kind of good. And he feels You can feel that kid vibe, you know what I mean? They'll come up and hang by me. But that's not what's going on. It's back, farther back by. You know what's really funny? I just noticed the strip is right by my Ouija board that's in the back of my office, too. It's like right <laughs> next to it. So it just had a little bit more weirdness to it right there. So, But um. Like besides this, the technical stuff that happens when. So I'm gonna back up for for a second. So why, if it is, oh, uh, yes, my ears have started hurting really, really badly. Like somebody's pushing pressure into them since uh, in like the last five minutes. Really? Yeah. Okay, I saw you waving at me. I was like, what What happened, you know? Yeah, that's what I, I wanted to tell you because Jason okay. said he wanted to know. So I'm just telling oh. you, it's like really not just pressure, but like, yeah. you know how, if have you ever been in a plane with an ear infection? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. It's Lord. that kind of pressure. Wow. Oh, that's painful because you're looking around going, why doesn't anyone else see all these knives going in my ear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you're looking at it and you're pounding your thin fist on your thighs and you're looking around saying, Surely someone else is feeling this, and yeah. everyone's enjoying the flight. <laughs> no, it's happening. In, it's happening in my ears right now, and I don't think I'm flying anywhere. So, and poor Karen's oh. eyes are burning up. And uh, no, Cheryl's, yeah, Cheryl's, Cheryl's eyes are through. burning. My ears hurt. That's right. Chuck's okay though. He's got his crystals. Yeah. I got my crystals, so I, I just... I, I may little... have come in a little cocky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the shadowy stuff moving farther enough away, but that's because I got my little bubble right here, so... But uh, what I was going to say was that, okay, so the box is the box is buried, or, or put away, okay, and sealed. So how is it that, when we just talk about it, how is it that when it's not even near us, it still can affect us? Um you know, again, I think it's just the um, the ability of the energy that it just connects. When you connect to it, um, it basically is available. I know that uh, early on when I first had the Divic Box and just an image appeared on the Internet, uh, on the website, and mm -hmm. basically I would have several, you know, viewers freaking out saying that you're creating, I mean, once you sense it, you're tied to it. 
And so think of all the hundreds of thousands. I mean, my website alone has almost a million hits. How many people? So how many people are actually energized? And even just your listeners, you've got this whole vortex of focus and energy on this thing. And I think it is able to just tap into that. And I think that's what gives it the access to when it's being talked about, especially on a show like this. We have basically empowered it um, to to have that freedom, even though it's it's in the dirt, in the box, in the acacia. We give it just enough focus that it's able to free itself. I don't know. It's I don't understand it, but I do know it always happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I noticed that it's not only just. It's not only just techie stuff, you know, like you like I've seen the pictures of like the spiders in the basement that were covered with the poisonous <laughs> mold, all the centipedes. So it, it does affect things uh, in nature as well as the the techie side of things also. Well, it is interesting because when we think of, of the Jewish faith, um, manna was this kind of white moldy stuff that the Jews lived on in the desert. And every morning, there it would be everywhere, and it was actually sustenance to them. But the funny thing is when the box was kept in the basement at my rental, the entire ceiling and everything died, I mean, like was coated like mid-web. And you can see that if you go to the website, uh, com, just divicbox, one word, dot com, and mm-hmm. you can go to the research, and you'll actually see um, once the divic box was removed, the mold went away. Or Did you try eating the mold box. because it might be manna? Well, you know, it's covering spider webs and spiders, so it just wasn't appealing. Uh, had oh. I been starting, maybe. <laughs> but, and then also what the Kabbalah uh, describes is that um, insects are drawn to powers, and so they don't necessarily um, go into the box. They just kind of like bask in it. And so there was all these kind of like scorpion creatures, which are also on the website, that have been drawn. And you might find one in a house, but not in the middle of winter, and not hundreds of them as appeared. Um, it, it, a lot of things just make no sense about this. And when the college students had it, all these mass infestations, uh, like swarms, were happening. And, again, the exploding light bulbs, which I've seen happen all throughout mm-hmm. my house, Mm-hmm. And they're better now, but it was literally, it was just constantly exploding lights. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with the electrical system. This is true of all the owners, that it's one of those weird things that just kind of, uh, the energy just becomes so powerful, it overwhelms uh, uh, the light and the gases. So uh, it is a strange thing, but I also say the same thing, that for the most part, it stays calm because I don't think about it, I don't worry about it, um, but I don't always have a plan for it either. <laughs> right. Hey, Jason, when you sent me the fake Dybbuk box when I was doing that presentation, there were bugs in it, dead bugs. Did you put those in there to freak me out? No, no, I really didn't. And to my knowledge, it wouldn't have had bugs in it. So it had it had three dead bugs in it. I sent them back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the strange thing is, you know, what we consider in magic, and again, keeping in mind that, that mysticism and magic is thousands of years old, uh, in the Sephirah Razab. If you want to read old magic, then get the old. You can get it now very cheap. It used to be very hard to get, but it's the Jewish uh, book of, of mysteries, and it's the Sefer, S-E-F-E-R, Ha-H-A, Razam, R-A-Z-I-M, I believe. And so you can read these 
uh, rituals that would be done, and you're really calling on angels. I, I, I should highlight too that it is the servants of God, the angels that make things happen. And so, uh, you know, you can, you know, as you say, have these um, rituals and things that that produce the magic. And so, uh, uh, again, um, it, it's kind of a strange uh, a thing, but as I've studied it, um, uh, it's, it's just fascinating. Uh, all, all that's tied into this um, uh, object. And so, um, uh, again, I respect it, but um, at the same time, I'm not really sure how it works, uh, uh, and that's why I kind of stay clear of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, what's going on with you? Because you had your flashlight out, you're kind of looking behind you. <laughs> What's, what's no, up, dude? It, no, it's it's like these shadows keep moving in the right corner of the like like way more noticeable than before. Like after I started saying, "Hey, I'm seeing these like little shadows," thinking maybe it's just my eyes or you know that kind of stuff. Because I'm an investigator, so I'm always going to doubt what I see first. <laughs> um, that's just me. But then I start seeing it more. Like what the heck, you know? So I, I figure I turn the flashlight on to shine over to the room just to make sure I'm not catching something off like my mic stand or off the cabinet that's by the Ouija board. But um, no, I, there's nothing over there. But every time I start to pay attention to the show and talk for a while, and all of a sudden it just, it just it's like something goes right to left and left to right and right to left. And it's like it's boogieing back and forth, just trying to stay out of my, my, sight, my, my eyesight, but I can still see it. So it's just it's driving me a little bit crazy now. <laughs> Sorry, it'll I'm be all just... right. It'll be all right, Jack. Oh, I'm all right. Just, just stay over there, and we're good, you know. So, all right. So, um, but now we talk about. Well, so we talked about, um, you know, tech things happening, and we talked about uh, natural things happening. So, how about when people mock the box? Let's go there, shall we? Not that I'm mocking. All right, the I was going to say, but... are you planning on mocking the no. box so you can? find out personally <laughs> no i already have i already got shadows moving around my room i don't need anything else so um no but i mean like i saw this picture i don't know i saw this picture on um online about someone who had mocked the box and it was like a house with like a tree that fell on it or something like that and uh i mean can you give us some examples of people who were not so respectful to the box and the occurrences that occurred afterwards yeah, I think that would be, um, you know, for instance, the college kids who first um, had it, they would have it in their uh, apartment and they would all take turns sleeping with it. But then again, um, it would open uh, on its own. Again, you really have to pull a drawer open. It's not something that, you know, just opens lightly because of gravity. It takes an energy and a force to pull a, a lower drawer, and that's what uh, releases the mechanism to open the doors. And so it was constantly opening uh, their dreams were basically, uh, you know, very restless sleep, uh, quite sick, a lot of physical ailments, choking, uh, hives, uh, 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 really uh, massive illnesses, and these swarms of insects exploding um, equipment, lights, everything would, would go over. So um, those that kind of were teasing with it suddenly became very tired of it. These shadowy figures uh, were constantly, uh, you know, just out of the peripheral of their vision. And so the things that you're describing right now, you're dealing with, they were dealing with, and suddenly it stopped. At first it was amusing, and then it stopped being fun. And mocking it, family members uh, would die or become injured, you know, pretty much long-term, like, you know, for life. And so uh, it, it became something, this tree incident you mentioned, 
that was one of the things when uh, our museum staff first heard about the the Dybbuk box through this college student whose roommate bought it. He thought, oh, yeah, we started blaming everything. You know, you trip, and it's like, oh, you dropped something. Oh, Dybbuk, oh, yeah, damn Dybbuk box. You know, and it was just a big joke. And, of course, the, the student didn't think it was funny that we were teasing him in this way that, you know, you're basically saying you're crazy. But um, when the Dybbuk box arrived to town for the college student, those that had been teasing it, this windstorm whipped around one home, picked up a 100-year-old tree and threw it in, and basically almost destroyed the home. And so there would be uh, an example of after that, everybody on staff was a lot more respectful. As a matter of fact, you just didn't mention that thing. So, yeah, it has been cut clear that, yeah, you don't, you don't mock it. And that's why I think, again, when we come on these radio shows, if there's a little bit of joviality or, or uh, teasingness about it, it might want to set you straight to, to make sure that you do respect it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe it's asking for Chucky a little bit of respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chucky has a lot of respect. Chuck's, so. Chuck's a pretty respectful guy. I think I yeah. think he'll be okay. Oh, yeah. And so I was going to get back to um, as I was talking to Karen that when she had the uh, replica, if mm-hmm. you believe in what they call sympathetic magic, that that mm-hmm. uh, and the you know old rules of magic is if you recreate something that like has the ability of like. So by creating a duplicate, in theory, you've only multiplied the energy because it is an exact replica. It's I mean, a really some, good copy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's down to the materials, the wood, the granite, even some of the artifacts that are inside, the old wine cup and the, the um, octopus candlestick. That was a real object from the 1890s. They're still out there. You guys yourself, if you wanted to buy the candlestick, hunt and hunt on eBay they do come up every three or four months. It's a creepy looking candlestick. <laughs> yeah, they're they're about you know forty to eighty bucks. Yeah. But you can get the exact thing from the same batch. So by creating this replica, you actually one of the things they say is you really reproduce the power of the original. Plus, there's contaminant. If the two have intersected or touched or shared objects, then you have contaminant magic. Well, I can vouch that the replica. And the real thing, though objects have switched back and forth inside them uh, just by playing or demonstrating or researching. So um, that is an opportunity where uh, the object that you ended up with, Karen, could have some residual magic based on what's called sympathetic magic. Dang, I'm brave. (laughs) So you're very brave. (laughs) But again, that's why you want to be careful. If you choose to create your own Dybbuk box, I'm not saying you couldn't. Uh, you can find Why the shimmer. You, you, you can find the shimmer. You can get your own coins. You can get your own hair. You can get your granite, and basically, you can energize your own wish box. But you know, be prepared that you might get more than you deal with if you have shadowy figures now living with you, and that's not one of your choices. Yeah. Well, so you know, when I had the the replica with me, I actually really observed it very carefully. But again. I've had very little issue with uh, any time that we've, you know, just very minor things when we've we've had conversations when I've written about it. Um, and when I had the replica here, I mean, I was going to a conference to tell the story. And I have to tell you, Jason, when I told that story, that audience was enthralled. And they didn't know. I didn't tell them until the end that the box was a replica that I had. <laughs> 
probably had them completely listening to every word as you went on and on. And, and that's what people often say when I bring out the replica, because it, uh, I do keep it available so people can have that experience. Yeah. But initially, people don't know it's the replica. And it's like, yeah. the more they hear about the divot box, the creepier they feel. And then it's like, and this is just a replica. And it's like, oh, thank God. But then I mentioned the sympathetic magic rule, and then they all get back up, and their little hair rises on their heads again, so, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, they all came up to take pictures of it, but they would not touch it. They were like, would you open it for me so that I could take pictures of inside? They Nobody would touch it. Okay, now I want to know, my, my question is, when do I get my chance to have the replica box over here? So I It's can expensive take, to ship. Is it really? Oh, well, I don't know, maybe. Kind of a heavy puppy, but uh, yes, uh, I, again, it has no, uh, um, it has no uh, gigs coming up, so if you'd like, because it's been used at uh, different um, uh, haunted, there was a San Antonio show that, uh, you know, it was uh, sent down to, and, you know, again, I, I, I send it to Hollywood every now and then, and they'll mm-hmm. use it to raise $14 million, and then they've got the startup money for the film, you know, yeah. so uh, international international purchases of, 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 you know, stories of films, you know, they say, look, you give me a million, and uh, in, you know, three, four months, we'll double your money with the film, you know, so you get a million, and you get two million back, and so they all sit around, and they, um, you know, pitch the Dybbuk box, and uh, they usually, again, Hollywood's afraid to have the real thing, so they borrow the duplicate. Um, so, That's so, why so, I did it. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> You know, and the funny thing is, is after the movie was made, um, they they created their own, um, as we mentioned, sympathetic man. They created a very convincing gimmick box with the shema, with the artifacts and stuff. And as soon as um, you know the the, the the film was over and it was being edited, they keep all the stuff in case they have to go back and reshoot something. Well, they didn't have that opportunity. The entire warehouse burned to the ground, no explanation, and. Uh, so luckily they had everything they needed, but it did kind of freak everybody out. And on the set, having the replica, um, there would be exploding, I mean, these massive lights that never go out would explode or wind. These are closed sets, you know. Uh, they're literally buildings, and these massive gusts of wind would whip through. And they're like, what is going on? This never happens in these studio sets. So um, even old Bernadette, you can go online and, and read what the actors and them had to say. They were kind of freaked out by the thing. And so I'm really curious if they do the second film, um, they'll have to recreate the box because it burned. Um, what, what, um, you know, what issues might they be dealing with? See, there you go, Chuck. You could, you could pay for shipping, and I bet you Jason would let you have it for a while. You could well, mess around the, with it. Well, if the shipping wasn't too expensive, I'd be, I would love to do that. I think that would be cool. I, I think it was I like 70 around. bucks each way, oh, wasn't it, Jason? I don't know. I, I think it probably could be um, it, it just because of this show that they just did, and it was sent um, to um, uh, Virginia. Uh, it's 30 pounds because <laughs> mm-hmm. I can read it on the label that's sitting here. It's still sitting in the box. It has uh, branded but, uh, in it. <laughs> but I'm guessing like, it's somewhere between 40 and 70 bucks uh, to send, so, you know. It, it yeah, cost me 70 bucks to send it back to you, but it was insured. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing is in case it gets lost, because it really did, um, because the Amish had to actually create it, it, it was about $3,000 just to make this copy with the granites and wow. the rare pieces. It doesn't seem like it would be, but that's what it cost, you know, so... Um, well, if it's an exact replica, 
A close replica, you could get away cheaper, but it had to be an exact, according to, you know, Ramey. So that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah, I could handle that shipment. That'd be kind of cool. You you would have every recorder in the world around oh, I, it. I would. You know I would. I'd fill the whole thing. Matilda the doll on top of it. I, I'd be filming the whole thing, definitely. I well, and then the, be... you could write another article because I call it the Fibic box because it's the fake okay. Fibic box. It's so it's the Fibic box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could do like Fibic box part two. There you go. So yeah, Chuck, Chucky G's experience with the Fibic box. All right, well, I'm going to have to talk to Jason then later off the show. Well, um, I will tell you, you tell that story anywhere. I was telling uh, right before I was going to do this presentation at the, the ghost conference, I was getting my hair done, and I was telling um, – I was practicing, essentially, and so I was telling my hairdresser, and the people in the chair next to me were silent the entire time, <laughs> and they got up and left, and the guy that was cutting hair next to him – he came up and he leaned over and he said, that is the most fascinating story I've ever heard. <laughs> so, it is. It's you know, just the that it's a... is, You know, people do love hearing the story. And when I went to Portland and first met Kevin, we, he, you know, we met in a Starbucks and he was the original, like the seller to the college students and then how I got it. And so I tracked him down. He was really, you know, nervous about, you know, he didn't want to have anything to do with it again. But we're sitting in Starbucks and we're just chatting about this thing. And the baristas and stuff, I mean, everything was stopped in the entire <laughs> shop. And, uh, and after it was over, they literally came up and it's like, oh, my God, that is just the craziest thing. But, you know, I fly all over the world because of my museum work. I'm in Russia. I'm in Japan. I'm in Germany. And I never have any uh, lack of partners next, you know, people who sit next to me. It's like, so what do you do? It's like, well, I work at museums and yeah, and I've, I've written a book, and, and the book was a movie, and then, oh, tell me about it. And literally, it can go on for hours, and then usually we land, it's like, that is, and then they're, they're writing down names and websites and stuff yeah. like that. People love the story. It is an amazing yeah. story. Yeah, I've entertained at parties with it too. I mean, so <laughs> I we you know what we were doing um, ghost tours at the the museum here in town, and um, we had this last group of the night. And the ghost tours were supposed to be like two hours each, and the last group of the night was there for like three or four hours. And one of the stories we told them was the Divic box because they just didn't want to leave. They were loving the stories. So, so it, it is. It, it is, and uh, and again, as the Divic box is, it, it's it's a wish box. But if you make your wishes wrong, bad things happen. It's kind of like the monkey paw that you might get your wish, but you might not get it the way you wanted it. And I think yeah. that's what I'm saying is I think it worked for her because um, again, anybody who got ill, I do have to say, almost always people healed and got back to normal. And actually, was as good as when it started. When you're with it, it doesn't feel so great. You're choking your hives. You're bleeding eyes, but uh, after you know it's it's gone. Everybody typically returns back to normal, with kind of oddly um, almost healthier. Um, that's the weird gift it gives you is that if you survive it, you actually come back just fine and actually maybe a little better. Well, good. Maybe it'll help me then. I I had a pretty major health uh, <laughs> problem about what two weeks ago? Has it been two, three mm-hmm. weeks or something? I almost died. Uh, from hemorrhaging, and so maybe it'll make me better, and uh, I'll feel better finally. My blood, my blood will be built back up. <laughs> yep, that's great. Oh. Well, I heard that. Uh, now I know that uh, is this true that there, besides the Tibet box that you have, there are others out there. Correct? 
Well, the thing is, the family actually created two or three, but to be honest, it was only this unique thing of this uh, family and this old lady. All the other Dybbuk boxes, or so-called Dybbuk boxes, mm -hmm. are really um, just knockoffs. Keep in mind, when the Dybbuk box appeared on eBay, they didn't have anything paranormal at all. This yeah. was really the original thing. And, and the only reason the guy put it on there was he wanted it as far away from him as possible. So putting it on there and sticking a dollar on it just to get rid of it uh, mm -hmm. and as far away as possible. And then all this, you know, then obviously a lot of people have gotten rid of their other haunted or spiritual stuff, but it is the original haunt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And so that's what I'm saying is if it, if it came in the middle, but it's it's the first and it is what it is. And all these other things came after, you know, haunted canes and haunted, oh, you know, yeah. this and that. But it <laughs> yeah. really was the original. Yeah. So I think that's that's unique about it. When people say, well, but it was sold on eBay. But, I said, but it was sold on eBay when nothing like this was sold on eBay. Yeah, there's this. You know, it's it's yeah. silly when you go to eBay now. It's like everything's a haunted everything's item. Everything's haunted. That's right. Yeah, they got they got all these boxes together. It's wax sealed. It's a box of wax on it for crying out loud. It's, it's a ghost in a jar. Let me, let me explain the wax sealing. Here's okay. what is weird. In the okay. original investigation, I put mm -hmm. a black light on the divot box, and there was one drip of wax, which indicated that the candle had been used and accidentally dripped on the front door. And you could not see it if you just looked at it, but if you put a black light on it, there was one tiny drop of wax. Now everybody thinks that you have to seal the entire box in wax. Oh, my I gosh. I think because hilarious. they read about one drop of wax. Yeah. Oh, my God. So funny. So, Jason, so I have... The first, oh, go ahead. Oh, the go first ahead. giveaway that it's a fake divot box is that it's sealed with wax. Sealed that with wax. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I know. Maybe I should make cardboard boxes and seal them with wax and tell everybody they're divot boxes. So, Jason, I have a question, and you may or may not choose to answer me, and if you choose not to, I understand. But the original story was that Kevin acquired this at a, a an estate sale, and my question is this. Was it Kevin's family that created the box? Here's the thing. He um, and his mom, by the way, uh, uh, Ida has passed. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It is, and 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 she was. She's a tough old. I mean, originally a marine in Korea, yeah. uh, uh, working, uh, you know, in uh, as a secretary with top officials, and had a cyanide pill around her neck that she was to take if they ever wow. were invaded and stuff. I mean, again, a pretty tough, strong old bird. Yeah. And, and having talked with her, she didn't take any crap from anyone. And no. she always hated the Dybbuk box. She always hated that Kevin had it and never really wanted to talk about it and was always tormented by the damn thing. But but what's, what's uh, uh, kind of uh, funny, uh, uh, you know, in, in thinking about uh, Ida and, and the box and the story about that, I personally believe that um, Kevin's grandmother, Ethel, was mystic and did use magic. And I don't know if the object actually came from his family, but it's kind of like, yeah, but we got it from somewhere else. Or it kind of was in the family and he got rid of it because of, of things going on. And, right. and he denies and denies it. But many things point out that it's more likely that it was something, and his family is Jewish, that it came from his family, yeah. particularly knowing that his uh, grandmother 
um, definitely dabbled in using mysticism. You know, that came yeah. from multiple sources in the family that she would write amulets, she would wear, um, you know, lettering and symbols, uh, Hebrew symbols that she felt brought her power. And yeah. uh, so I, all I'm saying is I think it might have been more that, but here's the thing is um, the writing is perfect Hebrew, and you can't fake it. Even if you saw something written in Hebrew, if you don't know Hebrew, you yeah. can't write it. Uh, it's like faking cursive or faking another language. You, you think you're coming close, but to a native writer, they're going to look at it and go, Mm-mm, you don't know what you're writing. And that's what's right. true about the Dybbuk box. Rabbis who look at it say, no, that's clean Hebrew. A Jew wrote this. A Jew made this. We don't know why, but it is Jewish. And no one ever says it's not Jewish. Um, uh-huh. So at least from the rabbis and those uh, that I know that are Jewish, it's like there's no doubt in their mind it's Jewish. Who or why makes no sense. But that's also what the Jewish faith also says. There's no accidents. The fact that this was created for whatever reason, and it sniffed out the beginning of a Holocaust to a eugenics man. Um, and again, I, I challenge you, look it up. Just type in Laughlin, L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N, and Hitler, and you'll be fascinated about the secrets of World War II that, that you never hear about, because we won the war, we rewrote history, but the facts are still there of what was going on in the States. So it is a fascinating piece, and as the Jews say, there are no accidents that, um, you know, it is what it is. So, Well, so Jason, you know, uh, this has, as always, gone by really quickly. I'm sure we'll talk to you in another year or so. Um, so we have come to the part of the show where what we call it Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. And this okay. is where you can give out all the information where people can find out more uh, about your book, especially I read your book. It was fabulous. As a matter of fact, when I finished your book, you and I had a long phone conversation because I had more questions than <laughs> answers. So, so um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody all the information you'd like them to know. Well, here's the good thing. Uh, the book is called The Divic Box, pretty easy. And uh, uh, it was uh, basically uh, produced through Truman State University so that they would get the lion's share of all the profits because it helps their little uh, publication department to do great, um, you know, uh, scholarly works. And it is nonfiction, so it is a true story, and it is classified that. So when you buy the book, you help out a public university. And so I think that's kind of cool. Um, a lot of the movie proceeds go to a Vietnam uh, orphanage, BFO. And so if, uh, and I'm going back there in April with 25 doctors that we're going to provide services to those kids that have been benefiting from the royalties of the movie. So I do want you to know, it's like, oh, I only get all this for money. Well, no, all the money pretty much goes to great sources, as it should. And uh, same like uh, this interview or for the discovery, I never really charge. It's, 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 I think people have a right to know. So the next promotion is uh, Saturday, which is tomorrow. Go to Monsters and Mysteries on the Discovery Channel, Destination America, and you can find out uh, more. It's a prelude show to the hour-long show that will be on the 21st, and so that's also on uh, Discovery Channel. And on the 21st, that show will be right after Monsters and Mysteries, True Supernatural. So if you don't have enough Dybbuk, uh, there's the book. There's the website, www.divicbox.com, and you can email me if you really, really are curious. 
Dipping box at Hotmail. You can't get an easier email. That's what I use to deal with all things Dipping. So, uh, Chucky, Cheryl, uh, Karen, I really appreciate uh, sharing this story because I think it's fascinating. Uh, we do too. And, and, you know, like I say, I'm sure we'll talk to you in another year or so, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jason Haxton, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on, Jason. You have a great Thanks. evening. Thanks, Jason. Okay, good night. Good night. Oh, Chuck, what do you think? Well, I still have you all live. my limbs. I lived. <laughs> I have all my limbs. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah no, I was no, like, you're getting. Don't mock. No, no, I'm not mock. No, no, I'm. I'm being thankful. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, it's fascinating story, and and I'm yeah. glad that you got your first. Your first. Uh, you got to dip your toes into the Dybbuk box tonight. I, I, I'm like a little kid because I I've been wanting to talk to that guy. Well, like forever. so now you can email him, and and if you want the Fibic box, maybe you can arrange to have it sent to you. Oh, I'm gonna try. Pay shipping I'm both t- ways, but you know, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I could yeah. I could do it. It's worth it. It'd be worth it to have it here and to study it a little bit. And, yeah, uh, I think I had it for like three weeks, probably. About. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be cool. I could do that. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, that's not super expensive. So you know, if I figure I do it one way, three weeks down the road, got to do it. It's not that bad to have that here to be able to study that. I think that would just be, would blow my mind. I'd be like, honey, look what I got. She'd be like, uh, what well, the heck I- is that? I, I noticed that somebody in chat said this is their favorite. This has been their favorite show. Well, you know, that sentiment is shared. We get really excited when we're going to talk Dybbuk Box. And, you know, sometimes things happen, like I can't get on Skype or, you know, Cheryl can't dial Jason or Cheryl's eyes burn. Mostly it happens to Cheryl. <laughs> Poor Cheryl. And, Poor Cheryl. And Chad, and Chad just said the night is still young, Chuck. What do, what do you I mean know. by that? <laughs> Don't be doing that kind of stuff. Oh, Cheryl, are your eyes better? I, was, yeah. I see you, Chad. Yes, I, I was a good boy. I, I I was respectful, though. That shadow stuff, yeah. that was because it's after did the it, second time it we asked, it stopped. Because well, I'm like, you were looking around like a cat getting ready to go. Man, on the I'm chair. telling you, yeah, it was yeah. like. I'm like, okay, yeah. now now it's like first I'm like, uh, eh, maybe I'm seeing it. Yeah, maybe it's just me. Then after I'm like, no, it's not just me. I it's actually just, saw. Like, I actually. It. I actually saw some black shadows flickering behind you too, but I just assumed it was weird camera connection. So Cheryl, your eyes, how long did they burn? Yeah. Um, my right eye burned. It stung for a while and then it went away and then it came back. And right now it's like a medium level. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My ears, my ears um, have yeah. been kind of going in and out. Wah, wah kind of uh. thing, but they're okay right now. So, well, here's what's interesting, Chuck. And yes. Cheryl actually typed this into the chat room, but my, my good friend Patty Valdez texted me and she said, I'm going to the Ask the Dybbuk Box to do something to Chuck to show him that it's real. And and apparently it listened. You know, you people really got to stop doing that to me. You know? It's like <laughs> bad enough I'm psychic and I can pick up on this way better than I used to now. So it's like like before, like probably... I would be like, you know, the shadow be moving on. I'd be like, yeah, I don't even see it. You know, I don't pay attention. But now it's like every so often in my room, I was getting like goosebumps, like my hair would stick up and it would go away. Then I was like, wow, my hair would stick up and it would go away. And I'm like, what Tonight is Tonight it was? On? Yeah. Yes. Like, what is the energy in my in my office? It's like, it's totally crazy. So, I mean, I could actually feel it. So, yeah, that was a bit that was You a have bit Patty odd. the thing. Patty and the big box. Thanks, Patty. Well, she started taunting me earlier before the show. She sent I know. She sent a picture Facebook. of herself with a Dybbuk box, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Patty. Thanks a lot, oh, man. It, it's, just the, it's the Fibbic box. It was the Fibbic <laughs> box. 
I know it's all right. It is. It, it I I I was excited to talk to him anyways. Um, because yeah. I you know I, I was really hooked on the. Uh, I haven't. I, I feel bad, but I have not read the book. But I knew all about him just from you know uh, before the movie. You know, just reading yeah. on. Well, and you've probably heard him on our show before too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I read your article that you had too, and I and I knew that uh, from. Um, you know, I'm always into haunted articles, so that, yeah. I think that's how I actually originally picked it up. Uh, so, but just to have him here to be able to chat with him and stuff, it's just so cool. You want to know what's really funny? So I discovered Jason. Gosh, it's been like what five years ago, probably, Cheryl. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, and I was um, not. I I wasn't searching for haunted objects. As a matter of fact, what I was searching for was information on how to build a ghost box, mm-hmm. and it it popped up in my Google search results and I started reading and I said it to Cheryl and I said, dude, we got to talk to this guy. (laughs) Dude, we got to talk to this guy. Oh, seriously. I mean, and then, and so I contacted him and back then the very first time he came on, it was back when we had the podcast and the very first time he came on, he wouldn't even give his full name. He didn't want people to know who he was. So we just had to call him Jason. So see, he's clearly kind of owned it and come, you know, come full circle with it. But I think it's really interesting that that eugenics guy was in the town where Jason lives. And this whole thing has sort of come full circle. Yeah, that 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 part was kind of like freaky weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, the paranormal does that, that full circle thing. I've noticed the more that I work with the paranormal, the more you have these full circle kind of coincidences. Like the story I was telling you about the museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like, and did you, and did you, when you brought that Ground Zero of the show, did you see that on YouTube? Did you watch that? Yeah, that was insane. And all of a sudden, their whole internet goes down. I mean, yeah. we have our little problems with Skype. Oh no, people, this no. whole thing just crashed. So they had nothing. Yeah, if you're crazy. listening to the show, all, I think probably all you need to do is search on YouTube Dybbuk Box yeah. Ground Zero. Yep. And um, it's it's worth watching because it's really really interesting for sure. It's really, yeah, because at first they're like, "Oh, did you just open that thing here?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, like no big deal." It just got worse and worse. And the poor producer, you see that guy, he's like like this because he's really sick. The security guys are coming up; they don't know what's going on. Finally, the whole thing just crashes down. But they check with the radio station that's right near them. Oh, everything's fine. fine there. Yeah, yeah that's fine. fine. Over here, it's like the the heat's going off. Everything's it's going all crazy. Hell so loose. yeah, yeah it, all it's help. definitely. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. It's a it's a good um, example of the power of the Dybbuk box or the power of the suggestion that the Dybbuk box generates. And you never can be sure which it is, but I tend to believe it's the Dybbuk box. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Dybbuk box. Yeah. So, Cheryl, yes. next week. Yes, next week we have another great guest coming on to talk to us. And her name is Lori McDonald. She is the experiencers hypnotic regression specialist <gasps> what founder of the sacramento alien abduction and contactee <gasps> support group I... and oh my she... god i'm not gonna sleep again <laughs> and she is a clinical hypnotherapist uh, uh oh well that was a, that was like the giant's mouthful ever <laughs> and i have and i have to terrifying. say that tomorrow I don't know. Yeah. I gotta, I'm just worried about having to repeat that next week on the show. Well, I'm not and our guest is going to be like, have to do it. <laughs> oh, "Yeah, thanks." Be like, and our guest is Lori McDonald. There Let you me go. tell you, I spent, I had a, a lengthy conversation with Lori a few weeks ago, and she 
has some fascinating topics that hopefully we can get to a few of them. But um, am I going to be terrified? You will be absolutely terrified. <laughs> They're going to come get you, Karen. I, They're going to take I, you. You know, it's not much scares me, so I like it when something can still scare the crap out of me. I do. They're going to yeah. suck you up, and then they're just going to drop you out of the ship. Plop. Plop. Um, Plop. Okay, so, and we have a magazine out. We do? We, we have the September issue. Oh, excuse me. September. 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 Holy I'm, I'm, I'm a little tired, I think. Um, <laughs> September. Where did that come from? Well, the September issue is out, but it was out months ago. But, <laughs> what, um, not in, in October. <laughs> The January issue came out at the end of January. Uh, that's online now. If you want a free copy, email editor at paranormalunderground.net because we want to get you hooked because it's a really good magazine. That's um, really good stuff. Yep. Uh, February, we are working on now. Um, I will just say that uh, we have some great topics coming up in February. Uh, we have a group from... Uh, the UK, who frequently investigates... Oh my gosh, you guys are still making faces. <laughs> this is what we do most of the show. What's your point? <laughs> Tutbury Castle. And they have um, graciously revealed some of their top experiences at the castle. We will also be doing a parachat with um, Kieran O'Keefe, parapsychologist. Oh, the actually... guy from Most Haunted? No. Yes, yes. You, yeah, you probably know him from most haunted a skeptical um, guy he yeah he's he's skeptical um uh but uh you'd be surprised at some of the uh projects he's involved in so um it's he he did a cover feature for us years ago and now he's doing a little parachat which parachat right. is a little outside the box uh little uh, feature that uh, yeah I like those features yeah, those are fun Paul Green does psychic biker so we've got a lot of good stuff and coming up and um, check it out paranormalunderground.net or email editor at paranormalunderground.net <laughs> Chuck what did Chuck do I didn't even see what he did he's, he's, you know what he's doing he's mimicking he's, like, me making fun of you yeah he's mimicking me I saw that he's mimicking you yes he is I don't know what you're talking about it was probably the Dybbuk boxes <laughs> yeah. it's probably hey, over you. Don't, hey you just mocked the boxes hey, you I did, did not. now you're in big trouble hey I Chuck real quick you do us a favor when you listen to your audio back just let us know yes. give us a little report next week what you find if you find any results if you hear anything some whispers and if you heard yeah I heard that well that's why I put that thing about the laugh because I thought maybe when you guys yeah. did it because I heard like a <laughs> I was like, no I was on mute it wasn't me uh, no, wasn't and I me. said what the hell was that like great uh, well it's uh, going to be awesome look it over so guys we are just plumb out of time so here's what I'm going to do I want to invite you I want to invite y'all I want to invite, invite y'all to come back <laughs> next week at 7pm pacific and um other times elsewhere because I just don't want to do math tonight because I'm kind of tired. And um, we will have a great show that will scare the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to be talking to alien abductions and stuff. going to be really gonna, cool. I'm going to paint my face green and have, like, antennae when I come yeah, on Yeah, what week. a good idea. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G here on the <laughs> Radio Network. You guys have a great week. Good night. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, 
It could just be something.